his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Lori Lightfoot's term as Chicago's mayor will come to an end in May, but a number of the initiatives she began are likely to continue. I expect there are many people in and out of government banking on one of them being the Office of Reentry that was created in the 2022 budget. It's helping formerly incarcerated people rebuild their lives and find work and such. This weekend, we're going to talk with the director of that office for whom the job is very personal. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The Lightfoot administration's 2022 budget earmarked $13 million for reentry services. Uh, the mayor created an office of reentry, and Mayor Lightfoot has said many times the issue is personal for her. Not only was she a federal prosecutor who has sent people to jail, but her older brother served a 17-year prison sentence. Now, to lead that office, she chose Willette Benford, a mother, a minister, a social justice advocate, and someone who herself has gone through the justice system. She worked with the group Live Free Illinois before taking this job. Now she helps coordinate the efforts of various city departments when it comes to helping people who have been behind bars. Uh, we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing, and uh, we'll let Benford welcome. Thank you, Craig. Um, first, can we talk a bit about, you know, the, the elephant in the room, how your own background led you to this new office and to the kind of work you do? Yeah, well, just being someone that's directly impacted, uh, having been formally incarcerated and then reentering and experiencing some of those barriers that individuals experience, being denied housing, um, you know, having like, you know, just those issues of not even ever being uh, familiar with technology and never using a cell phone. So knowing that those were things that individuals coming behind me would need. And then working with Live Free Illinois, you know, and leading their decarceration work, it really just catapulted me into the work. But initially being denied housing after going through a transitional house and their program and knowing that there were many others that came before me that had been denied, it just really opened my eyes to the myth around reentry and that sometimes people just give a certain message about reentry, but there has to be a strategic method in order for individuals to reenter successfully and be set up for success. 
Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that. For people who don't normally follow issues like this, uh, in, incarceration can truly change a person's life, um, but the effects, both positive and especially negative, I guess can carry on long after the sentence is served. You highlighted one thing about finding housing, but it's it goes way beyond that, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of times when we think about reentry and we think about, you know, there are permanent punishments. There's, you know, having uh, a conviction, a prior conviction, you know, it will hinder you from getting employment and also being able to provide for your family. And many times, you know, we know, and let's also talk about the elephant in the room, you know, Black people make up 14% of the Illinois adult population, but over 30% of those that are convicted or incarcerated. And, you know, it's it's not a lot because of the uh, crime, it's just because of the way that some Black communities are policed. And so, you know, I think about, you know, really how this affects not only um, Black uh, citizens, but also white, because, you know, you have young white men before the age of 23, 38% of them will either be arrested or convicted of a crime, whereas you have 49% of Black men that will be convicted of a crime before they reach the age of 24. So it's not like this, this incarceration and then coming back into the community doesn't affect everyone, it does. And when someone can't get a job to provide for themselves or their families, you put them in a desperate situation. And when people are in a desperate situation, you know, we criminalize them for surviving. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously the city of Chicago uh, took the step of creating this department, Bob, but the, the city and other governments have been doing some things for uh, returning citizens, but to what degree are governments, not just Chicago, but mm -hmm. all around, because let's face it, some of what happens has to happen at the state level. How are the, how, to what degree are the governments getting it? There are many initiatives that are happening even now around housing, you know, with the, with the fair housing pool, with the flexible housing pool, the city of Chicago and the Pritzker Foundation are the two largest contributors. And with that flexible housing pool, you know, it opens up an opportunity for individuals that may have been overlooked for housing because of the way that the housing system is set up and the criteria from HUD. It, it, it says if you're sheltered for 90 days that you're really not considered homeless. Well, incarceration is considered shelter. So it forces individuals to become homeless in order to get housing, which makes no sense. However, you know, with the flexible housing pool, it removes barriers that would otherwise be in place for individuals to receive housing. And we also talk about, you know, how other government is really pushing back to make sure that returning residents are acknowledged, first of all, because this is often a population that's overlooked and underrepresented. But reentry has been become huge. You know, uh, Congressman Danny Davis, you know, has that Second Chance Act. So when you think about having a second chance, but a fair chance, even creating this interagency reentry council, Mayor Lightfoot did it by executive order 
but creating that to make sure that all of city government has an eye on reentry and what can you do as a city agency and a sister agency to ensure that returning residents coming back into the city are set up for success. Mm-hmm. I, I also want to point out, and I, I believe the city has a, a, a similar uh, rules in place, but I know I covered the hearings at Cook County when uh, there were rules put in place so that landlords could not use previous incarceration as a reason not to rent to someone. And, uh, and, and I, it was a fascinating hearing in, in many ways, not only because there were some people who were fighting this, but also there were some landlords who were absolutely, absolutely in favor of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, can, can you talk a little bit about, about whether the private sector, where people, you know, who own buildings and run jobs are, are getting it or not getting it? Absolutely. It's amazing that you brought that up, uh, Craig, because I was a part of that coalition to pass the Just Housing Amendment. And that was one of the things that I used to advocate for myself when I was denied housing. I was able to tell someone that it's illegal to deny me housing based off my background. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think that an individual may be a bad tenant because they have a prior conviction, you know, without giving an individual an opportunity. There is rehabilitation present. An individual has a consistent job. And a lot of times when you look at paper, you can judge an individual based off paper. But if you have a face-to-face conversation with an individual, most of us I hope are pretty good judges of character. And so, you know, just giving an individual an opportunity is something that would would speak volumes because I think some people get it. Many more people are getting it than before. There used to be a time when someone had a conviction and it was just all doors closed, no help, no support. But now it's, you know, even with a conviction, because we know that there are individuals that have a conviction, they serve their time, there should be no permanent punishment and barriers to individuals re-entering society if we want them to be set up for success. I often say, we're going to pump gas at the same gas station, buy food at the same stores, our children will go to the same schools as yours, and it depends on how you embrace us as a society how we respond in society, because you cannot put people in desperate situations and then expect them not to survive, because that's just a basic instinct is to survive and provide for my children and my family or myself. I, I remember from the, those, those hearings, um, the, the one witness that really struck me was, uh, it was a, a, a woman who owned a couple of buildings and she stood up and said, I want to tell you, the people who were incarcerated are my best tenants. Yes. <laughs> and she said, yes. because she said, they have a stake yes. in keeping that housing. And she said, they, they take care of their apartments, they pay their rent on time. And she said, you know, she said, the, the, they're the exact opposite of problems. She said she has problems with the other tenants, but 
these were people who were glad to have the housing, mm -hmm. needed it, and wanted to do everything possible to keep it. And uh, I, I, I don't think those people she was talking about are, you know, odd ones out. I, I think they're probably more likely, are they not? Yes, absolutely. When, when an individual has an opportunity to, first of all, let's just go back a bit to a job, a good job, where I don't wake up bill insecure, rent insecure, food insecure, that I'm able to pay my rent. Individuals coming home from incarceration want the same thing that you want, you know, and want to rebuild their lives. They've paid their debt to society. And why wouldn't we? As a, and I, I often say it, I'm a believer, you know, as a, a, you know, as a Christian or as a nation that loves people and really, really believes in second chances. Why wouldn't we set an individual up for success? Why continue to have permanent punishments in place so that when they come home, they're set up for failure? But also paying your rent on time is something that individuals want to do. They don't want to risk being outside and being homeless. So if, if I have an opportunity to get an apartment or a place, my first inclination is to make sure that my bills are paid, that my lights and gas are paid so that everything can stay on because coming from a, 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 a small cell and going into an apartment, you know, is an, a great upgrade. Let's just say that. And then, you know, you want to make sure that you can enjoy the benefits of your home or your apartment or wherever you're staying. Are, are you finding or hearing from people uh, that are still either running into the old problems or are there new things cropping up? You know, Craig, it's, it's so many webs that are created to, you would be surprised at the webs that are created to hinder individuals from being successful. And so I say that because even with the fair, even with the, the, the just housing amendment, implementation is always the hardest part after a piece of policy is passed. And I'm sure you know that. And so even with the just housing amendment, there had to be lawyers that were, you know, um, different law firms that would represent individuals that were formerly incarcerated because they were denied simply based off the fact that they had a conviction. And so implementing that and making sure that it is uh, upheld is still a challenge, you know, however, it is on the books. And so by the policy being there, you know, uh, trying to get around it will probably cause problems for landlords as well as individuals that are trying to get housing. But I think what you said before is that individuals that have been incarcerated and a landlord standing up saying that, you know, people that have been formerly incarcerated are my best tenants. That's the same for employment. Many individuals that were incarcerated ran the prison. There were three shifts from eight to three, three to 11 and 11 to seven. And I did hair for 20 years for 70 cents a day. But I say that because 
when you get up every morning at eight o'clock in the morning, do the same thing that people on the streets do to go to an assignment that pays you a slave labor, you know, a slave wage, you know, it, it prepares you also for coming out. And when you get a job, you will probably be the first one there, the last one to leave, and one of the best employees that they have because it's a pool of untapped potential and individuals want to do their job and want to provide for their families. So that fair chance hiring piece was just putting in place something so that individuals wouldn't be excluded based off a of background, which had nothing to do with the job that they were gonna perform. Because I can perform the job it's just that you're looking at my past and saying I shouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't even be given a, a an opportunity because of my past, which is wrong. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Willette Benford. She is director of the uh, Mayor's Office of Reentry. Uh, I do want to talk with you about some of the me- the mechanics of your job mm-hmm. um, because. There is no single city department that handles all of the issues uh, or the kinds of issues facing people who've been incarcerated. And I I would think that's probably a headache for people who are seeking or they could be a headache for people seeking help. But uh, also, how do you keep it all together and how do you make it possible for people to find all of the assistance, all of the services that are available to them? That's a great question, Craig. There are many uh, individuals attached to the success of this position, uh, and it is seated in the the policy department. But, you know, my position has three prongs. It is the Interagency Reentry Council, it is policy, and it is also the programmatic side. The Interagency Reentry Council is made up, like I said, of all of city government and all city agencies, uh, sister agencies. We recently worked with all city agencies to create goals, goals to present to the mayor that these specific agencies, 17 agencies created goals that they would implement in 2023 to push out what they want to do to serve returning residents. DFSS, uh, Chicago Police Department, um, uh, CTA. There were many departments that came together to say, these are the goals that we want to set. These are the, the, the marks that we want to hit. And we presented them to the mayor. And so that interagency reentry council was intentional. We met bi-monthly since January, and we were able to provide technical assistance so that they could really shape their goals so that they could be intentional about their goals. But many departments were already doing great work. DFSS has four community reentry support centers that are located around the city, two on the two in Inglewood one out south and far south and another one up north. And these community reentry support centers provide referrals and also provide IDs and, you know, job referrals, job training, and all of these things that an individual need when they come home. 
And so that's the programmatic side. But also we released that spring forward uh, RFP that is a 12-month subsidy for housing and also workforce training for 24 weeks, which is a paid stipend training for over 300 individuals. And we're going to increase it to 400 so that half of those individuals will be able to get a rental subsidy for 12 months, market rate rent, paid in full. And that way it will set them up for success. So while they are working, they have an opportunity to save and also not be burdened with the fact that I, I don't, I have to pay my rent right now. And that is to move them into a job, good job where they will be able to pay their rent. And so that is the spring forward program, but also the policy side. The, you know, February 16th, we announced, Mayor Lightfoot announced new reforms to the city of Chicago's pre-employment background check policy, which made Chicago a leading, leading one of the most progressive fair chance hiring public employers in the nation. It wasn't a lot of press around it, but we instituted a nation leading look back period in this policy that meant we weren't gonna consider convictions that are older than five years old. That's unheard of. And the reason why is because after someone has been home, why can't they get a city job? And seven year look back period for mayor, mayor office positions. And DHR has a more transparent uh, process where, you know, for example, after receiving a result of a background check, DHR will conduct an individualized assessment within five days the hiring department must respond within five days to their recommendations. And then the applicant has 10 business days to respond to the result of the assessment. You know, and this, this, makes, this makes it very, very transparent. And also the state only gives five days. The city gives 10 for an individual to respond. And then the last crucial reform crucial reform this policy makes is the language we use when posting job opportunities. We have added fair chance hiring language to every single city job posting. So applicants are aware that having a prior arrest or conviction will not make you ineligible for a city role. And interesting, when I was on my way to work, uh, I saw on, on social media, what essentially was a PSA, a public service announcement uh, that was showing people checking the, or deciding whether they were going to check a box that said they had had a prior conviction and how hesitant they were, but they did, and the kind of looks that they got from potential employers. But it turns out, in at least in this commercial, all three people were hired and end up being, you know, being happy. But it it shows that somebody thought to make a PSA about hiring. Yeah. Because is that the last frontier to get private employers? I mean, not just the city. The city is one thing. You can you can mandate how the city's going to do it, but you can't mandate how individual employers are going to do it. You cannot, but there are people in the private sector. We invite the private sector to come along with us to to look at this untapped potential and those that are, are really would be great employer employees 
And, you know, I think about some of the individuals that were on the press release and Brian Fage from Corporate Coalition, you know, made the, 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 the statement that there are individuals, this has really set people up for success. And also that when, when you hire returning residents and choose to change your hiring practice, because some things that have always been done does not mean you're going to get the best results from it. Sometimes there's an opportunity to do something new. And with this fair chance hiring policy, it also gives the private sector an opportunity to do something that they've never done before. Normally, there are seven-year, 10-year look-back periods, you know, but also changing the fact and giving an individualized assessment for employment would say that we want to look at you as a complete individual, you know, and even with this policy for the for for the private sector and also for the city it should say we refuse to partake in a culture of permanent punishments that often require rehashing years old incidents i mean you've already paid your debt for to society for it and also you have to rehash this in order to access gainful employment why does this have anything to do with the job I will be performing? If it doesn't, then let's look at this picture here and not this whole panoramic view that you're saying, look back in the past and everything else because I've paid my debt. And then many people have been home for years and have not had any more encounter with the carceral system or even with the, the legal system. And so that is something that we really need to look at as a society how we continue to permanently punish individuals that are coming home and creating barriers for them so that they can be set up for, they won't be set up for success. They're set up for failure. We need to reassess that, really. I have to, uh, with the uh, time we have left, also ask, uh, <laughs> is this office going to survive? Well, you know what, Craig? That's up to the new administration. You know, uh, returning residents aren't going away. And so this is something that is necessary. Out of all of the individuals that come back from IDOC, between 11 and 25,000 come from DOC throughout the year. 11,000, between 11 and 12,000 return to the city of Chicago and also to the county. And so with that, they also return to a concentrated area of zip codes, at about seven. And so when we talk about returning residents and talk about, are we gonna continue to have something that will support them? I think we should just, as a, as a society, as a city, we should ask that question. Is this a population that we should invest in? Should we invest in returning residents? Should we continue to have a, 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 a space that oversees it, a population that's often overlooked and underrepresented? Should we keep a position that will continue to do that? And I think that's for the community and the new administration to answer. Is it not also for the, the community of people who are returning or returned citizens? 
I mean, should should people be watching this transition that the city is going to go through? Um, you know, you got into uh, this 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 line of line, calling it a line of work, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's a mission. You got to you got this mission uh, because of where you had been. Well, do people need to also look back and say we need to say something? Absolutely. Whenever, whenever there's an injustice or whenever there is a population that's being overlooked or there are barriers that are in place that hinders an individual from participating fully in our society, then we need to look at it because we are, we, we claim to be a second chance nation but we also have to be a fair chance nation. We have to give individuals a fair chance. Recidivism, I often say it is a system word because it alludes to the fact that I was given everything that I needed and I went back to prison. And you know that is not true. That is going to be the final word. That is Willette Benford. She is Chicago's Director of Reentry. Willette, thank you so much for spending the time with me. Really appreciate it. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There is a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.